to the Mobile Mongo Podcast. I'm your host, Janae Muha. Consensus might be that cheese and running is an unlikely pair, but considering that themed 5Ks are all the rage, it might not be that outside the box. When Jewel and Jess had the opportunity to combine things they loved into one fundraising event, they took the challenge head on. In their sixth year running, the Cheeseleets, have raised thousands of dollars for numerous affiliates and a pandemic hasn't slowed them down one bit. In this episode, I sit down with Jewel to get all the details on how a 5K has become one of the hottest tickets of the American Cheese Society's annual conference, the difficulties and blessings of going virtual, and the decision behind this year's pertinent recipients. I will use this time to add a content warning for talk of mental health struggles, addiction, and suicide. Strap on your running shoes, throw a chunk of cheese in your bag, and get ready to be inspired to run for cheese. Uh, Well, hey, my name is Jewel, uh, full name Rachel Jewel, but since I was about 10, I've gone by Jewel, so stick with that. Um, And yeah, I've been in cheese since I was a kid. In reality, my mom owned a cheese shop, um, bought it when I was 10. And so I've worked in food and dining and cheese from a very, very young age. Um, and then my trajectory kind of bobbed and weaved through cheese because as many people's do, um, and kind of had a bit of a complex for a while of like, well, maybe there's something else out there. Cause for me, that was family business. It wasn't like a chosen thing. And so I wanted to explore, well, maybe I have other interests and I never had the chance to explore them, but I was really into food. So I like did culinary school for a bit. And then did physical therapy for a bit because as someone who'd been injured in lots of knee surgeries was like, well, why not make this a profession? I'm basically an expert. Um, and then realized that's really a lot of school. I'm not interested in that. And, but then we moved to New York and my sister who had always been in cheese with me was older and was very much still in the cheese industry, despite the fact that our like business had closed, she stayed, she didn't bob and weave like I did. And so she had started Um, I then started my bachelor's in food and nutrition because I was very interested in a holistic look at food as opposed to like a clinical way of food. My upbringing was very holistic about food of knowing where your food comes from, connecting with farmers. My both sides, my family are farmers um, and live their life in farming. And so we always knew where your vegetables come from and quality of meat and um, just very connected to like the land that way. And also how food brings people together and brings, it does improve your health, mental, physical, all these things. And so that being my upbringing, I was very, and noticing that the world was shifting away from that, especially my generation where it was becoming fast food, or it was just becoming everything processed very much as a nineties kid. I wanted to go into school for that. Like, how could we change this like shift? Never thinking it would tie into cheese again. Um, but then as all things do, things go back to cheese. And so I graduated, um, my bachelor's in nutrition and my sister was working with what at that point was basically a startup Essex street cheese. Um, they were only about three years into the business. She'd been working with them since day one as an intern and was now like part-time with them. So like big moves. Um, and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And Daphne Zeppos was a mentor of mine through college. I would go to her with like questions and advice of like where to go. She'd help me with different things. Um, so did Jason Hines. They were both partners in Essex. And then, yeah, basically bobbed and weaved post-college trying to figure out 
what I wanted to do, how to make money living in New York was more important, number one. So I didn't actually do anything in my career. Or I didn't do anything in my in my specialty um, the first couple of years out of college because I just needed to make money and I was making good money, the other thing I was doing, but then hated it and really wanted to be back in a, a holistic way of with health. I was in more clinical, nutri- clinical healthcare and I didn't like that, more kind of bureaucratic healthcare and I really didn't like that. Um, and at that point, uh, Daphne, unfortunately, had been diagnosed with lung cancer and was rapidly declining. We had no idea what was going on, but my sister needed an assistant, bottom line. And I was so desperate to get out of my job that an assistant's position with half the pay sounded great um, because it was back in food. And it was for a company that I really had watched grow and I respected everyone in it. And I respected their values. I respected their work-life balance. I respected their commitment to producers and farmers and that the fact that their number one goal is education as someone who got into my degree to educate people and bring them back to the table and bring them back to understanding where their food came from. Like that company was like just everything to me. Um, So I took basically a job as an assistant and yeah, that's been nine years now. I just had my anniversary. So it's been nine years and that's where I'm at. So today the job is, um, and then I, so for a while I worked for Neil's Yard Dairy to kind of make ends meet. Um, but at that point I started a nonprofit because Daphne passed away. And so that's kind of where my experience in nonprofit work started was I had none. And now all of a sudden I was the administrator and assistant and all the things to build a nonprofit with the board. So that's, I, I found out I loved it. I loved the project management side of it. I loved the, yeah, hustling people together and yet had a great story behind it. So you're doing a lot of kind of bureaucratic admin work, but there's real reason behind what you're doing. And so, yeah, strangely enough, nonprofit kind of advocacy stuff really started to interest me. And so then eventually when we'd always have these different um, fundraising opportunities, so I was in charge of a lot of fundraising and lots of people coming to us for advice because we were doing stuff and then I just ideas and one day came out that people were like, well, a lot of people in cheese are active, actually. They really love to run or for whatever reason too, sometimes for health, sometimes for mental health, sometimes to run off all the beer and cheese you've been eating. Um, and so someone said like, well, what if we did a 5K to benefit this nonprofit that I worked for, the Daphne Zeppos Teaching Endowment? And I was like, sure, I have no idea how to do a 5K. Never even ran one before, let alone put one on. But like, if you can, I'll like co-sign it basically and kind of help out with marketing. And so at that point, I partnered with um, Jess Perry, who was the first recipient of the Daphne Zeppel's Teaching Award. So the first person I gave a scholarship to. And her and I also worked together at Essex. So we were like, okay, we'll just help out. She's a big runner. So I was like, sweet, you know what you're doing. And then the people who wanted to organize it uh, backed out. And so her and I all of a sudden were in charge of an event that we hadn't asked for. And yet we're like, we're going to do it because we believe in it. We're like, I think this is really, really could be cool. Thought it would be a one-time thing. Like, this is just a party. This is just around running off cheese during the American Cheese Society Conference. Like, that was the entire premise. And what we realized through the hustle of it, because it was a real hustle to pull it off. And we realized we both had two skill sets. She had this great skill set of pulling together the event. I had the skill set of hustling money. Um, and organizing people and my years of doing that for the DZTA and project management with like, hey, big picture, how do we organize ourselves? How do we pull this off? How do you market it? All those kinds of things. The two of us together built a really cool event. And at the end of it, everyone was so in love with it. They're like, see you next year. 
we were like, oh no, <laughs> no, <laughs> like we thought this is a one-off. We, what have we gotten ourselves into? And so then we really had to start asking ourselves some questions and we realized there was a need in the community for something that was more health focused, to be honest. It was like, oh, hey, it's, and, and it doesn't have to be an athletic thing. It can be walking, jogging, take your kid's stroller. This doesn't have to be a, com- a competition. It's just a way for us to like celebrate cheese in a healthier way than just sitting around kind of a thing. And we realized there's kind of a need for that and be fun with costumes and prizes and just like a real energy behind it. So like, okay, there is a need for this kind of event, but we got to create a, a, a more organized reason why we're doing it again. Like why, why are we putting all this work? And so at that point, we also realized we didn't want to just benefit the same organization every year. So that's kind of then, well, okay, now who are we? Then this was kind of the DZTA pulling off this event. Who, who would do that? Who would be this organization that looks at different needs in the industry. And so then that's when um, I called up a friend of mine who's a graphic designer and we were like, we have no idea what we're doing, but we need to figure out a name and branding and marketing. And he was kind of like, well, and we'd kind of come up with on our own and he kind of sealed the deal. It was like, well, you're athletes, but you're nerds. <laughs> so cheese leads kind of like a mathlete. And we're like, that is it. Like we want to be active, but we're super silly. Like we're not insanely competitive. This isn't the Olympics. Like, we run around in like cheese costumes. Um, and so that was born and we had to hustle and uh, Kickstarter to build a website, to build marketing budget, to kind of get a nest egg to pull off these events. And that's how the Cheese Leads was born. So we raised, did a Kickstarter and it's now we're coming into our sixth event. Um, so yeah, something that came out of like this hairy brained idea of me saying, sure, do that for me has now become a, a second nonprofit that Jess and I now run, we're, we're a fiscally, so we're not our own 501c3, but we're a fiscally sponsored program. So we're under the umbrella of another nonprofit organization. So that was the other big thing was how do you handle money legally? So we are like, all right, we got to get legit. And I did all the research again. My kind of project management side was like, all right, let's do the research. Let's figure out how we can do this in a way that's safe. We're going to be asking people for money. How did they feel safe giving us their money? Um, be responsible with paperwork and the admin project management side of it. And so that's kind of what I took on. And I really love it. It's really, really fun. It's connected me to so many different companies. And then every year we choose a different recipient. So that idea of, okay, so who are we benefiting? And the goal is this mission kind of came on year two. Again, it's like this very backwards way to start a nonprofit. I wouldn't recommend it, but um, yeah, like on year two, we decided, okay, we need a vision like an mission, like, what are we doing? And it needs to be concise because everyone wants money. Everyone's like, and everyone wants someone to do it for them. And so that's what we were starting to notice was people were like, oh, you guys are really good. You pull this off. Can you fundraise for us? And we we're like, but does that fit? You know, are we going to start getting ad hoc? Like we raise money for them. We raise money for them. We raise money for them. And we didn't want to do that. So we, we realized we had an opportunity early on to like, let's seal this in. And so for us, it became a way of let's raise money for different kind of twofold. Let's raise money for organizations that struggle with raising money because there's a skill set to it and awareness and all that kinds of things. And we had that. We have skills to raise money and an event that people know about and awareness of following. But then also organizations that are really providing things that give back to the community. So in the form of educational opportunities or career opportunities or services for the community in cheese. So yeah, we don't just fundraise for the sake of fundraising. We're very thoughtful. So every year we change 
our recipients are. And I'm getting prouder and prouder every year of like who we like represent. We're very, very thoughtful about it. And I'm really proud of it. So yeah. Amazing. It's amazing to watch. I can't even believe it's been six years already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been amazing. amazing to watch kind of how it goes. And I think one thing that you brought up that's really uh, key is that, I mean, not just key, but like at conference, you know, we are ingesting so much cheese and meat and there's just yeah. like so much. Um, mm-hmm. And there are so many parties that are like later mm-hmm. at night. And so this yeah. was a really nice way to break that up in terms of like, it's a morning thing. It's something mm-hmm. different. It's not just mm-hmm. like, okay, sitting, standing around a table yeah. of food. Like it just yeah. takes us out and we get to see a little bit more of the city that we're in too. Um, so I've always really appreciated that about um, getting up and taking photos for Cheesley. So <laughs> yeah, you've been, you've been a photographer since early on. And yeah, I mean, and, and that's what we realized was that people were like, what really cheese people love is community. That's what, and yes, they love cheese. Of course, that's why we're together. But the second thing they love is community. Wherever, whatever they can be doing together, that's what they want. And so what we realized though, is that we, we fall into a rut where it's kind of the same environment all the time. We're always like indoors, standing around. There's always like booze involved. There's always food involved. And yeah, you're, it's, and it's very heady too. A lot of times these conversations get really heady, which is fine. We all love it, but kind of to have that break is really nice where it's like, Hey, let's get outdoors. Let's not ingest a crap ton of like cheese and charcuterie and whatever. And yeah, it's not a late night. You got to wake up early and um, rest for it. Even if you're going to participate, you know, we realized all of a sudden that we got feedback from people and they're like, oh, I know that the 5k is going to be on Saturday morning. I go easy on Friday night or I get my sleep. And we realized we were all of a sudden kind of impacting people's health and they they wanted to show up. We were worried people wouldn't want to show up because they didn't want to change their behavior. And instead they're like, no, 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 no. This is kind of nice. I have an excuse. I'm going to go to bed early on Friday night. And yet I still get to see my friends. So they weren't missing out. The community part was still there. And then it's just fun. Like we, we've had amazing, we're so fortunate with the sponsors we worked, we've worked with over the last six years because they've been incredibly generous for one. What they allow us to do is to pay for all the overhead costs so that every dollar raised either through a donation or a registration fee is donated. So we've always fought for that of like, if we can get sponsors that helps so that you as someone who pays for this event or makes a donation to someone, you know, that money's going directly. We like the transparency of that. And we've been so fortunate with sponsors that they've let us do that. That's very uncommon in the fundraising world. Um, a lot of the times you put on these big events and really 10% of the money gets actually donated. And my brain since the days of DZTA always was the opposite of that of like, no, 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 let's maximize donations because we have a big, we had a very big financial goal back then, a quarter of a million dollars. And so I was all about like, how can we get free stuff? How can we get sponsorships back in the day? Cause I was like, I got a big, I can't just be collecting $500 checks. Like I gotta be collecting a lot. And so it's been fun to see the sponsors have helped with prizes and that incentivizes people to build teams and get really creative with costumes or, and yeah, there's some competition, but it's not, it's, it's just for fun. Like there's just this funness and everyone celebrates the winner. You know, no one's mad that they didn't get best costume. Everybody celebrates the last person also. Yes. It's not just about winners. It's about everybody along the line. 
Yeah, I think that was my favorite, actually. That's when I knew we were onto something was the last, it was also, so the first year we did it was on the Sunday of the conference, which wasn't a day of the conference. It was, so people had to stick around. It was because, there's a lot of reasons why it was that day, but we were nervous. We're like, who's going to want to stick around on a day where you, you could have already flown home? You know, you've already been here for 10 days, potentially, if you were a judge. And we realized, one, quite a few people stuck around, 76 which was amazing. And then not only did they stick around for the race itself, for the starting line, but they stuck around for the last person. And it was this like beautiful moment. I'm so glad. I think I record, someone recorded it and it's this beautiful moment where like 70 people were standing, cheering on the very last person who clocked in at like 30 minutes, something. Right. And some of those runners were done 15 minutes before that, you know, and yet they all cheered and reared and it was just like this joyous, awesome thing. And that's when I realized, okay, we have something super special, even for a 5k event, very unique. And every race manager we've ever worked with was always like, I don't believe it. People actually stick around and we're like, no, wait for it. Like when you see our events, no one leaves. They all want that last person to show up. So it's, yeah, as much as work as it is and kind of like this unexpected, you know, task that got handed Jess and I we love it because it's so fulfilling. It actually is. It's incredibly fulfilling, let alone like that part's fulfilling. And then the fact that we get to give money away and we get to, we've done it for cheese guilds that are trying to resuscitate themselves, you know, like the Southern cheese guild and we donated to them, they were dormant and we were able to give them a ton of money for them. It felt like a lot of money to really get things started again. Or, you know, it's just this year I'm really excited about with like the nonprofits are benefiting. They want to grow and they're currently in growing pain process. And so we can give money that really helps them expand in a shorter period of time, as opposed to, you know, the five-year plan or whatever they have. So, right. Yeah. I would love to talk about some of that skill set that you need for fundraising and also starting something like this. Um, because you said that you basically taught yourself how to do it. Uh, so what skills were you, were you leaning on and what did you learn from doing this? Yeah. Um, a big, so literally at the beginning it was Google. I read literally, I read a lot of blogs. That is what's cool. There is a lot of blogs out there. They somewhat get repetitive after a while though. So I found that. Um, and I found, you know, early on when I was teaching myself before the cheese lead started, it was, the power of just communication, being really organized in your emailing, like it's, it's a lot of emailing. And so being a very clear, concise, professional emailer was super important because you're, you're asking people for money, even if as altruistic as your like mission is, you're asking them to spend money when they probably have 15 other organizations asking them for money. So how do you compete in that like market? And so being really professional, being very timely, uh, being very organized on your sen- on your side of like, who have I contacted? When was the last time I contacted them? Do I need to poke them? What was the response? Like, it's, it's a very like kind of human thing. You kind of have to put yourselves in those shoes, but be very organized. Um, and then what really helped later on. And then the biggest thing I found early on when I was doing fundraising was, you know, if someone wants, what, what a, f- a successful fundraiser is a fundraiser that basically mimics something you're already doing. So if you're a shop, for instance, and you already do um, regularly a cheese of the month club box, so you're not trying to reinvent the wheel, just donate one month's worth at 10% to a nonprofit. Don't create a different box. Don't create something that you're not already doing. Just take something that's already built into your business because your, your customers already understand it. 
your staff already understands it, but the education level is really minimal. And so instead of trying to like kind of, we do, we originally used to do kind of more creative out of the box fundraisers, we would do that, but we found it was a lot harder because people didn't know about it and you had to market it the whole time. And people were like, do I trust it? Is this actually going to be a great event or not? Do I really like it? Versus if you're already teaching classes, they love your classes. So just teach a class and one day decide that 10% of the sales that day or 50, whatever you decide just gets donated. And so I think that's the biggest tool I learned was just like uncomplicate this. Like you don't have to have these insanely over the top ideas for a fundraiser. Um, and that really helped. And then also that every little dollar adds up. That was the thing was like, if it's a tip jar, that seems silly, but like all those tip jars add up. And like for at the DZTA, that became one of our biggest fundraisers of all time was that Calgary Creamery and the Ferry Building donated their tips over like seven years. And it literally became the biggest fundraiser we had. So being very open to these ideas, you know, I think we see fundraising and kind of movies and we think of it as galas and like very over the top and very high ticket cost and all these things and just bringing it down to what's a successful event already. Just use that as your fundraiser. And then as what was really cool, once we started the cheese leads and what was really generous is also, so the other thing is ask for help. So Google, is there people, you, you'll be surprised how many people in your world actually might have some sort of tangential exposure to nonprofit. And so that's what we really started. To, and that's kind of what we did a little bit at the beginning with building a board. We had people who were on boards. So I was like, hey, how do you structure a board? And you're already on five boards. How are they structured? So tell me how to build a board then. And we'll create, we'll take the best of what you do, apply it to our own. So I learned a lot of that with the DCTA. But then when it came to fundraising, really fundraising, like you're hustling and asking for sponsors and there's overhead costs and budgets to be built and things. Um, we were really fortunate. Someone who was a sponsor of our first race when we had no idea what we were doing, uh, their wife was a professional fundraiser. And so they were very generous. They came to us and they were like, hey, if you're going to make this a thing, you should talk to her. And so some things that I've noticed now that we do, and I see other companies don't, I'm like, oh, this is why you're not as successful. So like, you know, you have a packet with all of your information. So she taught us little things like that. Like it's as simple, but really beautiful packets that say, hey, here's our company. This is what we do. This is what we accomplished last year. We'd really love for you to be on board. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, clear graphic of you donate this much money. Here are the six benefits you get. Um, and here are the two requirements that it is signed here, like keep it super clean and super simple, but kind of official feeling because they might want to go, they might have to share that with a boss. They may not be the only person talking about it too. Like a lot of the times the person you're going to for money isn't the decision maker. It's like someone you have an in with in a company. I'm like, oh, I know this person who works at Kihi Fresh, but I have no idea who's the marketing person. So giving them as much information as possible and take that to the decision maker in a way that they don't have to interpret what you're doing. It's literally like a, like a digital piece of paper. They hand that off and then they're like, okay, yeah, sign here. Um, Sarah, what's her name? She was incredibly great, helpful for that kind of stuff of like just building some forms. And then the best part is we use them every year. So I just tweak it, change the information out, whatever's relevant. And we have this really seamless thing. And then it's an invoice that goes out. And what helped us was that we were a five, with our umbrella 501c3, we can give tax benefits. So that's the other thing you bring up of like, hey, I can give you a receipt. I can provide this paperwork for you. It's legit what you're doing. Um, and there's a real benefit to it. So, but yeah, it's, it's, it is a lot of work, but it just, it's a lot of kind of admin stuff. It's being really organized on top of it and 
being a people person, I think you have to be willing to have conversations. Yeah, you can email as much as you want, but be willing to have a phone call and then be really convinced of what you're doing um, and being able to like convey that is really, really helpful. But yeah, ask for help. That's how I've learned it. Just ask for help. I also see a through line and I'm, I am wondering if you see this too, of your experience in cheese with growing up in the family business Mm -hmm. um, and kind of having that exposure to being around people and kind of being forced to have those connections with people and then going into say Niels Yard Dairy. Cause that's how we met was mm-hmm. that you were my yeah. Niels Yard rep yeah. for so many years. And I had never actually met you until walking down the street one day <laughs> at conference. Um, and I was like, I know that voice. Yeah, um, you're right. She calls weekly. Yeah, she calls all the time. <laughs> um, but I feel like that experience kind of helped you really hone your skills into this world. Would you say that that's something that you feel like being Absolutely. the professional emailer essentially, and yeah. those yeah. connections, do you feel that that's a strong sense of what gave you these skills? I do. You know, you bring up like growing up. And so I watched as a young person, I was 10 when my mom bought the shop. And so I was there all the time, but like what I was doing is kind of more background work, right? I was too young to like do anything managerial, but I observed a lot. And what I know, I observed my mom running the business and I, I learned what she didn't like, how she was addressed with certain things. So like if a vendor came in during lunch and tried to sell her something, she's like, are you kidding me right now? Like, do you not see the line out the door? And like, I've got someone who just quit on me, like all those things. Right. And so I learned what was, if you wanted something from someone, what's the right way to do it, right? Make an appointment give them the information to look over during their own time so that they're not sitting there having to listen to you in that moment. They also might be distracted when you're talking to them because she's trying to watch the tables and someone's like, you know, dropping something. She's like, Oh, I got half of an ear listening to you. So have ma- nice materials available. Um, and then schedule follow-up. Be, you will have to advocate for following up with people because she's super busy kind of a thing. It's not that she's not interested. She's just busy trying to run a business. And so, yeah, from a very young age, I learned what not to do if you want to get something out of someone and the right way to approach things. And yeah, bring up the benefits because as much as people want to be altruistic, they're like, hey, I'm trying to run a business. Am I going to get tax benefits? Or is this a marketing opportunity? Is this an audience potentially that I'd like to have come to my business? Are you bringing that to me also? And so, yeah, I would say that those years of like just watching that and then, yeah, Neil's years with Neil's yard, you know, I had 370 stores to call every week and economy, economy of words, man, like you, you barely get them up buyer on the phone. If you're lucky, um, they've got five minutes because someone in the coffee bar isn't available and they got to go run over there and get it out. Okay. The deadline is Friday at 2 PM. Get it to me. I'll send you, I'll send you the email with the form. You don't have to find it in your inbox. It's probably overwhelmed. Like I'm willing to do this hustle for you. It'll be at the top here's my phone number if you need to call me, like, cause you're probably busy and the phone calls easier. And so putting yourself in the shoes of the person and making it as easy as possible for them and as clear as possible is, was really, really helpful. So yeah, I do think for years having, I always needed to get something out of someone. And it was like, how do I get that as successfully and regularly as possible with a pleasant experience in their mind? Oh, that was really great. Jules super, fo- she follows up. Like that's so helpful because I, I did want, I was super interested in whatever that cheese she was talking about for that promo, but goodness gracious, I had 10 vendor call, calls today and someone called out and like, what was she talking about? What was that deadline? Oh, that's awesome. Jewel has an email at the top with a really clear subject line and I can find it. And there's a link. I click on it. Boom, order placed. 
you know, just things like that. Um, so I do agree. Like I've honed all that into then how I hustle a sponsor is like, you know, very clear subject lines and, you know, what's a good time to call you ask them what's a good time to call you, not me like dry calling you, you know, and it's the worst time ever apparently. Um, and now they've associated that lack of skill with your organization. You hate to think that, but they have. Um, and so, yeah, I definitely think for years, I, I use it all the time for years. I will never, for, like, it was always that vendor walking in at lunchtime to my mom. And I was like, you probably have good product. You should probably actually would want to do business with you, but literally your lack of awareness of what she was juggling means she'll never buy from you. Right. Like she'll write off an entire product line, you know? And that was always my thing with then rolled into cheese leaf. I agree. It was like, I don't want my bad timing and my lack of like organization to be a reason that somehow they write off our organization for life. Yeah. So yeah, I would agree. So obviously the pandemic affected our industry in a million and one different ways. Um, yeah. And it affected us meeting in person and being able to do the 5k in mm-hmm. person. How is that yeah. transition going into the virtual realm? Yeah. So yeah, it was, we were planning on being in a um, I don't even Portland. know anymore. Portland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know anymore, man. I think we were somewhere we were in the midst of, yeah, we had booked a race manager. So we kind of got, we, we thought the worst part was we thought we kind of like figured it out. We were going into our fifth year and we're like, instead of hiring a race manager in every city, we're going to have the same one and fly them there. We'd figured this whole thing out. He'd already done the research. We were ready to go. And yeah, we got, it was March and you know, we were all sheltered in place and just Jess and I looked at each other and we were watching the news, you know, two weeks in and we're like, ACS hadn't called it, but we're like, it's not going to happen. Like we were just, this is, this is not happening. Like it just realistically. And also we knew that we had, so as part of our fiscal sponsorship, we have a commitment to raise $10,000 a year. $10,000 has to go into my bank account every year. It doesn't have to stay there, but I have a commitment. And basically that's their way of, they do a lot for us. And so it's their way of kind of weeding out somebody who's like, I want to raise $500 for grandpa, like, which I get. So they're very strict about it though. And I wrote them and I said, Hey, we're in a pandemic right now. I, I think, you, I think, you know, like, are you waiving that requirement at all? And they're like, no. And I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> so we, so normally what that would mean is I raised $10,000. That's not just that that includes any sponsorship donations I get that includes like registration fees. So a normal register, a normal event only raises $6,000. But the fact that I get sponsorships totally gets into that $10,000 bulk. So now not only was I in a place that I couldn't, we, so we decided to do a virtual because we kind of started hearing that some even big come feed races, like the Ohio marathon and like some of these things were going virtual and we're like, okay. And so we started researching the website we use for registration did had a virtual 5k um, plot module. So we're like, okay, that's cool. So Jess, again, being the race person, she did all the research of how to do a virtual 5k. And I was like, how do we pay for it? Um, and fortunately virtual 5Ks are free. Um, and that was really great because we knew in good conscience, we could not ask sponsorship money. We knew we just, I can't go to companies right now and ask them to donate even $250. So, but what we knew was that meant $10,000 was completely on our shoulders to raise bit by bit. And that was really frightening. And so we got, we hustled because we knew that even before ACS canceled, we knew we had to make a decision to go virtual regardless. Cause I needed my nonprofit that we had built for four years to stay in business. And so real quickly, we're like, okay, we're going to keep it cheap. 
because we know everyone's tied right now. Also, by the way, huge social unrest in the country and absolutely people deserve to give money towards that. So again, we knew there was lots of places people could give their money to and we needed to respect that. So we chose, so then it was like, now who do we give money to? And that needs to be compelling. You know, we're asking for people's money and we asked for little, it's only $10 a pop, but still it's $10. And so we decided, we knew that, you know, basically 60% of the cheese sold in the United States was going to restaurants. And that all of a sudden shut down. And we're like, okay, well that's impacted cheese makers. So part of the cheese industry struggle right now is because of restaurants being shut down. And lots of those people tell our stories. They are part, they are an extension of the cheese community, the chefs or the pastry chefs or the waiters or whoever it is. And so uh, we did research and found that the James Beard Foundation was doing this open for good campaign. And the goal of that campaign was to build training and different workbooks and different modules to help create um, more sustainable businesses to survive another kind of like pandemic or crisis and even good training on social equities and gender inequalities and all these. So that really resonated. We're like, okay, if we can talk about what they're doing would then again, cheese leads goal is to always give money to that comes back to a cheese person. So we're like, we felt that was coming back to a cheese person. These programs will actually benefit employees of a restaurant, AKA a cheese, um, cheese business. And so we started advertising like crazy and social media, man, like, I've never made so many videos in my life. Uh, I was going live. I, I head up our social media, not anymore. Um, but I went live all the time of just explaining to people, hey, we're here. This is, and it literally is only 10 bucks. Like tell a friend, get them signed up. And we've always been a very um, fun 5K. Like it's not this like, you got to run and get your PR. Some people do, that's fine. But we're like, no, walk, rollerblade, go hiking, especially because people were social distancing. So we're like, wherever it is in your backyard, like just go do it. And honestly, I don't even need your results because the virtual 5K don't have to submit results. So that was also kind of the same thing of like, I don't really care if you actually run it, just give me $10. Um, <laughs> and like, but for a good cause. And it's like all those kind of things, you know? And then what was cool is, so our goal was $10,000, which was, I mean, almost double what we had ever, ever raised. And for an actual 5K and we sold hoodies. We, a friend of ours, who's a great graphic designer. I went to him and I said, hey, I hate to ask for pro bono. But like, we have a vision of a design, Jess and I designed it and he's like, yep, I'll do that for free. And so that way we can sell t-shirts and hoodies. And I really love the design. It was so great. It's so great. And I love it. It's one of my favorite I love hoodies. It. <laughs> Same. I love the hoodie. And, um, so yeah, we, we sold hoodies and we sold, I had, I had in the past done custom ink fundraising. So I was familiar with that platform. So we used that, which is great because no ever overhead costs. I don't need a sponsor. They all pay for it. And we kept it prizes. We kept super low budget. We asked, again, asked for help. So we went to Zingerman's. We're like, hey, would you donate a virtual class? Um, we knew people at the Truffle Shuffle from past like kind of work lives. And we asked for their help. And they were like, yep, we'll absolutely do it. And so again, we've been really fortunate of just kind of reaching out to the right people, using relationships. Um, and they were obviously very invested. Something like Truffle Shuffle was very invested because they're restaurant-based in their history. So like, oh, this is going to go help like our friends right now. Yeah. But yeah, we kept it real simple. I think one of our prizes was a pool toy from like Amazon. Me and Jess like split it. We're like, you can get a pizza-shaped pool toy. <laughs> like, hey. Um, and people loved it. And we did fun prizes for like best backdrop because everyone, the actual kind of beauty of the virtual 5K was that before, while it was fun that it was community, 
literally anyone could participate. A comment we used to get all the time on our posts when in the past four years was, oh, I'm just not going to conference, wish I could. And we realize now that all those people who wish they could, could. So that was actually what was really cool was that, and we actually expanded it beyond just the cheese community. So family and friends of mine, I was like, hey, you don't go to conference, but you love my job and you love restaurants. You guys, restaurant area, you shut down. Like this is your way of like helping out. And so it actually had a really cool wide reach. And we realized that the, the marketing side of it kind of kept spinning and going out. And then just the level of support, again, the community of cheese is just so incredible. And there is competition, but for good. So then people were, we have, we have, we had prizes for fundraising and it got down to like these two people just like going back at it of like, cause we monitor on social media, we post, you know, the leaderboard. And I've done that since day one. And oh my gosh, they're a hundred bucks ahead of me. Like I gotta go call another friend. And but it was so cool because the word really got out about this campaign. And we ended up, I mean, Jess and I were just bawling literally by the end because we were so scared. Like there was so much on the line of us losing like the cheese leads, but then also just so scared. We were scared we were in a pandemic. We were scared for all these people, and we just we were we were both stuck at home, unable to help our shops, unable to help our restaurants and our people. And we were like, we just felt so much writing on it. And so then when we kept seeing these dollars go in, we're like, it might happen, but don't jinx it. You know, like, don't jinx it. It might happen though. Don't jinx it though. It might happen. And we were just refreshing the numbers all the time and I'm adding up stuff. And then we got to it and we raised $12,000 and it just, I mean, her and I, like the final video we posted, we're just like sobbing. <laughs> like We just like could barely keep it together. And so again, it was kind of that same feeling as much as it was kind of, we felt bad that our five year couldn't be in person. We, we were trying to do something big for a five year, but actually I had the exact same feeling at the end as I did on the first one of like, wow, look at what we've built. And we had no idea. We didn't go into, we went into it trying to just to stay alive or just pull off first year, pull off something fifth year, just stay alive. And instead what we did was bring community together and people were telling us something I've been stuck and alone at ACS and fancy food and CMI and good food awards. And all these events are canceled. I can't see any of my friends, but because we were all fighting for this together, it felt like we were together and people kept saying, thank you. And we were like, no, thank you. You're saving. And and just literally everyone kept saying, thank you for doing this. And also we need something positive to look forward to. And so, yeah, we're doing it again this year because it worked. And we, I mean, mostly because we can't be together, but also I think we'll always do something virtual because the global effect of like bringing people together has been really cool and a privilege to be a part of. Right. So let's talk about this year. We're mm-hmm. about to, it's coming up very soon. So if you yeah. want to give us all the details and uh, maybe talk about the beneficiaries. Yeah. So we finally have a website five years later. Hey. Um, uh, thecheeseleads.org. So you can go there and all of our information's on there about this event. Um, also like we have swag, we have like five different swag you can buy. Um, so feel free to go there. And again, all proceeds from everything come together towards our goal. Our goal is, is 10,000. Again, we're curious if we can get there again, mostly because we would really not because we're getting greedy, but mostly because we really, really believe in the tune on the beneficiaries we have this year. And we'd really love to give them both 5,000 would be our goal because of what their goals are. So the two beneficiaries, when we were deciding to do, we looked again at the world right now and it was February and things were really, really bad. And we also had a year under our belt and like the fatigue 
was sitting in and the consequences were setting in of the last year. And, you know, actually what triggered it was that there was a suicide in the cheese community and it was really rocking and I felt helpless about it. And we started thinking about it just, and we had two, we had two new board members we brought on boards. We all sat and went away for a week and two weeks and like you figure out some organization and we came back and we said, mental health in our industry has always been a problem. Always. I mean, I've been in it for 23 years. Like it's always been a problem. And substance abuse is part of that. Like it's always been a problem. And now this last year, it's just on steroids, like those problems and people who may not even have struggled before now struggle with those things. So it's, it's, it's become its own pandemic in its sense. And so, or an epidemic. And so we're like, we got to address that somehow. So we started Googling. Um, I found Ben's friends through Google, but then found out you were a member. And so that was really cool. Cause I was like, oh, I can call someone and actually like <laughs> find out. And so you and I talked a long time and I just really fell in love with what they were doing um, there at the time. And then you connect me with their founders and with Mickey, I had a great long conversation with him and yes, their restaurant founded, you know, their history is yeah, because of our chef friends. But they're absolutely, you know, what I kept, what Mickey kept saying that was exactly what I had said was that for years, I kept seeing people leave the food industry because they couldn't stay for whatever reason, because it was too tempting um, or too unhealthy for their mental health, or they couldn't get insurance to cover the needs they had. And so they left and I would, I, I was always devastated because I'm like, man, you're good and you love this and how can we keep you? But I couldn't. And Mickey said, that's what Ben's friends was about, was that we have to keep these people who are brilliant at their jobs and love their jobs. We have to keep them here, but we have to give them tools and resources. And so I asked him, you know, are you willing to expand into cheese? And he was like, absolutely. Cause if we can keep good cheese people, like it's the same community, you know, food and beverages all together. And if we can keep these people who are just as passionate about food in the industry through our tools, and they were trying to grow in different cities, so we need money for that. And so he says, okay, I have an opportunity to, you know, meet some of your financial goals in the next year and also get you more people. So it was kind of this great partnership of like, I can bring you actually more people to then fill your goals, plus give you the money to fill your goals. So um, it was a great, it's been a great partnership. And then the other one was we wanted to also attack, so they specifically deal with substance abuse. Um, we wanted to attack mental health because obviously some people struggle with mental health and has nothing to do with substance abuse. And so and the big hiccup we kept running into was that I wanted something, again, our goal is always practical giving back to the community. So something you donate money to this organization and actually benefit the cheese person some way, not just kind of in research or something like that. And so I wanted that for mental health. And a lot of the organizations that you donate for mental health are you know, research-based, which is great. I'm not saying they're not awesome, but I was like, how does that actually convey to a cheese person that my $10 does something for me right today? And so we found restaurant after hours, uh, which again, hospitality based in the uh, New York city uh, restaurant industry. But again, those people are all the same people. Like it was just, you know, and we talked to the owner and or the founder and he was, he's in a real place of trying to start up. So he really needed money. He really needed assistance. They have licensed counselors that they bring on in their meetings and you can have um, real practical free help. Um, for any of your mental health issues in a support group. And he was just so grateful to have anyone spread the word, help him raise money so he can start paying people. All the, currently all the licensed counselors donate their time, but it's a lot of time. So yeah, it's been, so right now we're donating to both, that's the two beneficiaries, Restaurant After Hours and Ben's Friends. And 
I think that was the excitement. So then when we went to sponsors, what really we knew we were on the right path. So we figured out the beneficiaries and I was like, okay, now we got to get money. Um, Cause this year I'd like to give more giveaways or kind of more incentives and stuff. And we're in a bit more of a stable economic climate in the cheese industry. And the coolest part was, was how fast people said yes. It was the fastest year I've ever had raising money because people get it. Everyone has been touched by mental health and substance abuse. They just have. And if not before this year, especially this year. So every single sponsor was like, yep, I don't have a lot of money or I do. This is my check. And so it's been great. Yeah, we're, it's been helping us to give back to the people who are running and been really excited. I'm very, I've always been excited, but this year feels just that much more like, yes, Cheese Leaps is doing what we're supposed to be doing. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, felt really honored that I could be that connection with Ben's friends, because to be honest, I don't know where I would have been this last year. Mm -hmm. Um, just for anybody listening, I am like nine and a half years sober and I've been in the industry for like 19 years. So Mm -hmm. at this point, I'm almost at the point where I've been sober longer than not in the industry. Um, and it's had its own set of issues of like, I've lost out on opportunities because I don't drink. Um, or just uncomfortable feelings being at parties. Mm -hmm. Like, can I do this? Um, Mm -hmm. so this last year, my mental health has been really, I'm an extrovert just like you, you know, (laughs) we're used to seeing each other everywhere, all over the place. Um, so being stuck at home by myself for a lot of it has been really tough. So having that support group that not only talked about being able to stay in the hospitality and food and beverage industry while being sober, but also just talking about things that we're all going through and our mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, I seriously, it's been the best thing for me this year. So yeah. I was really happy to be able to bridge that. Yeah. Well, and we were so grateful because, you know, the question comes up of, you know, it's in our country, these are all still taboo subjects, which drives me crazy. Um, as someone who's been in therapy for the last five plus years and it saved my life that I've, I've and I, what saved my life was starting to talk about it because for years I needed therapy and I couldn't admit to myself and I couldn't associate myself with it, even though I knew other people needed it. I was fine with the fact that they needed it, but to like myself, I clearly had an issue with it, like, because I didn't go. And, but now I'm like, if anyone, any friends of mine, they know I'm like super loud and proud (laughs) in therapy, like love it. will not push it, but I'm like, if you want to talk about it, I will tell you why it's great and how it's still work in progress. And this is why it's so great. And I'll never stop it's, you don't really kind of get healed. And I think we've talked about this with you with Ben's friends. Like you don't have these tendencies of, you don't feel necessarily these tendencies of like every single day I'm like gripping, you know, white knuckling it, but yes, I need this community. And there's other benefits to being in this great program of consistency. Right. And I say that about mental health of like, sure. I have some months that are pretty awesome. And my therapy sessions are different, but do I skip them? No. Like I know it's there and I can always rely on it. And so I always wanted to, the, the idea of being able to provide that so many people need it. And we still have these taboos of not talking about it. And then the cost behind it and all these extra added things that are real barriers. And so we were a little nervous about going this path because some people don't want to admit they need help still in both of those areas. And so the idea that these two organizations are not anonymous and how does that look? And we finally, we really hem and hawed about it. And finally we realized that the risk of offending some people who may not want to be a part of these organizations is nothing in comparison to the benefit of even if one person joins Ben's friends or if one person joins restaurant after hours. 
And that's what we came down to was that like, yeah, okay, maybe this isn't your cup of tea. I don't really care. Cause if this literally saves like two people who really need it, I will count this entire year, like a hundred percent valuable. So, um, yeah, I think that there's, there's so much work to be done. And that's what I'm also very excited about is that, you know, what we're donating to has this kind of like, hopefully long-term residual kind of effect where we'll keep talking about Ben's friends and restaurant after hours into the future. So anyone who follows the cheese leads going forward, we may be able to kind of capture people next year and the year after just by bringing them into it. Um, not, maybe our 5k doesn't give money to them, but we will always talk about them. And now it's kind of these permanent partnerships like we do with our other partnerships. So I love that. I also just firmly believe that, um, the best way to get through things is to talk about them. So I have been openly loud and proud about my sobriety for almost the entire time I've been sober. So I'm just excited that now I can share that with so many more people, Mm -hmm. um, in a broader realm. Yep. Um, is there anything about the cheese leets that you really want people to know? Like you want to give us the dates for this year? Yeah. So the, how the virtual, how a virtual, that's our number one question. How does virtual five day work? Um, so on our website, www.thecheeseleets.org, um, on our, um, events, I, I shouldn't even know we came up with a quippy name for it. It's on our main page, it's on our homepage for sure. You can register. There's also a whole page dedicated to like the entire thing, but, um, you can sign up there and it runs July 24th through July 31st. So basically how it works is you pay $10 and you get your badge and we don't ask for results ever. Like you just gave us the money and we're going to donate it. But what we would love is like for you to participate during those days, do a 5k, you know, hike, run, walk, um, Peloton ride or bike ride or rollerblade or we figured out that you can dance for 28 minutes and do 5k worth of steps. So there's that for you. We did that math. Um, and, you know, go for swim or whatever it is, like just something. And then we'd really love for people to share it on social media that they're doing it um, just to kind of create that sense of community or email us if you don't want to post about it. You know, um, we have three different prizes. I say that and I'm like, yes, we have three prizes um, available. So one of them on that note is best backdrop. So if you have a cool selfie, use hashtag best backdrop, cheese leaves best backdrop. Um, and you can get a prize for that. Um, I'm now spacing the prizes. I should have written those down. It's been a really long week. It's weekend. all on the, it's all on the, it's all website. on the website. It's why I build websites, Janae. Exactly. Like, it's oh, all the information. Like, it's really beautiful. There's pictures, the whole thing. Um, and then there's another one, uh, for best costume. Um, so wear something funky and crazy. We'd love to be post about it. That's way we can find it. Um, all the way to post all the hashtags are available on our website first so that we can find you. Um, if you're not a public profile, still post and then maybe DM it to us. So that way we can see it. Sometimes when you're private, we don't see it. Um, and then the big, the big, the big guns is um, the, we, we coined it the rainmaker. So the person who raises the most money. And so whoever raises the most money, actually this, I do know they're winning a, um, a, a virtual, a free virtual class from the truffle shuffle, which values at around $2,500. So these are ex French laundry chefs who have built, they just got, they just won shark tank. Um, they're really cool people. They're one of their founders is sober. Um, and so she's actually a member of Ben's friends. So they were really excited to be part of this. 
and um, they're giving away a free class that's live with them. They're they're super awesome. The girl who won last year and raised the most money said it was. I mean, the pack of stuff you get is incredible, and the most high end ingredients, and of course truffles, and really really cool and fun. And these guys are. This isn't just your average boring kind of virtual like food class. These are some pretty entertaining and great stuff. So yeah, we have great prizes available. And so the deadline to register is up until the last day. So because it runs for a week, um, you can register on July 31st um, if you want to do it and well, the money will still count towards it. So um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Follow us on the cheese leads. We have, we're working out some fun videos. We released one today. That's all about giving high fives and positive set to Dua Lipa. And that's also a fun part of it. So yeah, we, we, we want to create a fun environment. We're talking about very serious stuff, but we also want to kind of create like a very fun environment. So something forward and positive to look, you know, to be part of. Uh, yeah, it's funny because in a lot of our meetings, we do talk about how alcoholics still like to laugh and have fun. And the more people exactly. can see that we like to have fun, yes. it's like, you know, exactly. <laughs> I'm exactly. excited because we are starting our in-person meetings again, um, this coming Monday. Cool. And so I'm going to hopefully start scheduling some, I want to do a 5k with my crew, uh, yeah. like at green Lake, which is a nice yeah. walk around the lake. So I'm excited yeah. to to get that scheduled and have fun with it. I know that. we're hearing some people are doing this so like that idea too. So people are like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't know how to do this or whatever. We have some friends and uh, so there's a group of women in New York, women and cheese in New York kind mm-hmm. of chapter. And they're doing as a team, they're doing central park. I think um, they've all registered together. They're fundraising like crazy. I actually have to look at their numbers. Um, but then I know like uh, Aaron Clancy, I think in Minneapolis is trying to get a group of people together. Um, so yeah, if you have people in your area, again, we're feeling better now. People are vaccinated last year. That was like kind of off the tables, but um, yeah, like get in on the fun, have it be a fun excuse to take a walk with somebody. And that's why we also kept the, like the price at $10. We, we wanted it to feel like something where this is a low commitment, but with a high return um, and still meet our financial goals. So 10 bucks, grab a friend, grab a coffee. I'm gonna, that's what I'm going to do. Well, and Jess and I tend to do a 5k every day during the race and we post about it. Um, so we have a great canal walk near us, like all through the canals and it's a 5k loop and I'm going to grab a friend and some coffee and do that. So awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And I'm so happy to be able to talk about this and that we're bringing it to our industry. Cause I feel like we all need a little mental health right now. <laughs> Real. <laughs> Yeah, really, really great. And we feature all the organizations on our social media too. So if you want to learn more about them, they're on our website and on our social media, we tag them all the time and they're great accounts to follow. Even if you're just curious about what they do. I appreciate you having me on here. I'm not much of a runner, but I am excited to walk this 5k for two very personal reasons. I hope you'll join us as we continue to take the shame out of our struggles by talking about them loudly and proudly. Thanks to Jewel for joining me today and to her and Jess for creating something that continues to be such a wonderful part of our community. This podcast is recorded, produced, and edited by me, Janae Muha, with a supporting feature role by my husband, Ben Muha, contributing on editing and music. To support the show, please find me on Instagram and Facebook at The Mobile Monger. For cool extras and to financially support the continuation of this podcast, please consider contributing to my Patreon. There you'll find the full video recording of the conversation, discount codes for merch in my online shop, get a sneak peek at the next guest, and even submit questions for future episodes. 
Thanks for listening, and remember to keep spreading the word of good curds.